0: Brands on brands. Hey, what's up? Today we're talking to Andrea Vall all about how she built her Facebook ads marketing business, how she co authored the Facebook Marketing All in One for Dummies book, and started speaking on stages about Facebook. All that and more in today's episode. Check it out. In a
1: world where content is king and your reputation is your brand, how do you build a brand that matters? Welcome to Brands on Brands, a home for those that think different and push their boundaries. This is where branding that matters lives. Now, here is your host, Brandon Burkmeyer.
0: Hey, 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 what's up? Welcome to Brands on Brands. I'm Brandon Burkmeyer, your personal branding coach. And today is an interview show. That's right, we are diving into Instagram ads, Facebook ads with Andrea Vall, but not just how to use Facebook ads, also how she built her service-based business, how she became a someone who runs Facebook ads. Also, how she became the person who speaks on stages about Facebook, how she became the person who wrote the book about Facebook, co-authored it. It's called the Facebook Marketing All-in-One for Dummies. She co-authored that with Amy Porterfield and how all that came together. And then she became known for that overall in general. So we go through her personal branding journey, her business building journey, the real thing she did and how to run Facebook ads, how she'd run them today if she was starting a service-based business or building a personal brand, and how she is actually running them today now that she is launching a second brand and pivoting some of her you know, extracurricular activities. All that and more. It's a jam-packed episode with a total pro, Andrea Vall. Check it out. Brands on brand. All right, let's get going. I'm excited to welcome our guest to the show today, Andrea Vall. First off, thank you for being
2: here. Thank you, Brandon. Super fun.
0: Yeah, I'm excited because we get to talk about a lot of things because you're one of these rare people who's been on the journey, you know, not for the past year, but for the past 10 plus years, building a service-based business, a business based on your work, your knowledge, your thought leadership, and executing, and then trying out a lot of different things. And I think people want to be on that journey. I discovered you because you were speaking on stage at Social Media Marketing World about your zone of genius, which is Facebook ads, amongst other things. But really, that's where you talk a lot about and teach and coach and sell and provide service around and have books on all the things. But I think it'd be interesting for our listeners to hear how some of that those pieces started to come together early on, and then we'll share some of your Facebook ads expertise because I know personal brands want to hear like, how do I run ads for me? Exactly. Yeah. but let's start a little bit with how did you start building like this service-based business? How did you like start getting those first like group of clients and kind of ramp that up?
2: Right. So the weird. So the interesting thing was, I was actually using social media for a different business I had, which was these in-home wine tastings. And uh, I was, I was like, oh, this is really powerful to go out and reach people and like promote my business. But as I was doing that, I noticed that there was a sort of hole in the market where it was, it was something that I wanted to see that wasn't there. It was kind of more tutorials. Aimed at people like me, you know, a lot of the tutorials at that time, back when I was doing this in 2007 to 2008, whatever, were just kind of young dudes, like talking a lot of acronyms and, and not really going over step by step, skipping a lot of steps. And I was like, I don't know what's going on here. And so I thought, you know what, what if, if I provide the, you know, the type of training I would like to see. But I also noticed there wasn't humor out there, too. It was kind of just serious or businessy or, you know, like, you know, trying to be as cool as possible. So I made it, tried to make it funny with one of my characters that I did for improv comedy, which was this Grandma Mary character. And so it was this weird, like, inspirational download that came from the universe me and my friend remember it so clearly, I was sitting on her couch and I said, what if I made funny videos and I I just used grandma Mary here and I've, you know, had her talking about it and uh, I'm like, I think I'm going to do it. It's really weird, but who cares? I've got nothing to lose at this point. And uh, so I started that journey and started just pumping out content, not really knowing exactly where it was going to go. And I was following some people out and who were talking about courses. So I decided I'm going to build a course. And I, during the time, too, I started getting a few local clients who saw what I was doing and were, were friends of mine and were like, hey, I'll pay you 50 bucks if you teach me how to do this. And I was like, sweet, $50. I could use $50. You know? <laughs> and uh, then I launched this course. I built this whole course because I thought, oh, this is the way to go. And I, I think I sold two, you know, but. I was also super frugal in the beginning. So my business was pretty profitable right from the start, just having a few little clients locally who knew me, who wanted to learn from me. And then I started growing my blog and growing that influence. And and then I started, I, you know, had a failed first course and launched another course because I learned from that, like, oh, maybe 30 days is not the right format and did something different. So I built it really slowly, that first couple of years was so slow and it was sort of intentional because I had little kids at home and I was like I'll just do it in the, my off hours and and then it started to really ramp up and I started growing my following and that's when I got the book deal. So I definitely am such a big believer in like a standout brand that can really catch people's eye because I feel that the whole secret to my success was that unusual, beginning that led to that book deal led to the followers led to people connecting with me i mean obviously i was also focused on providing really great content during that but um having a little fun with it so that's what the early days look like and yeah. i never never thought it would lead to this kind of business it's just such a blessing what's crazy is like i
0: can imagine you taking that original idea and today even in the formats today, like on TikTok, if you were, you know, leaning into that style, would have blown up today. Even, exactly, even probably more so because I think the value of bringing entertainment into a teaching and education space, people see it. Even, like, I think are leaning into that more than ever. Like Miss Excel was one of the keynotes at Social Media Marketing World, and the way she teaches Excel, just with a couple of like funny, uh, like dances to catch your attention, and then giving you knowledge. Yeah, people love that right now. Right. I think you had the core of the idea, but I wonder, did it also change the way you taught because you were in this character?
2: Yeah, for sure. And it was was a lot of fun to teach in that character, you know, because I could be a little sassy and be a little like, you know, like I joke that she's my alter ego and I outsourced my, you know, blog to her or whatever, but it was kind of fun. And it also was really freeing in this certain way, like, because... I could just say whatever I wanted. It wasn't me. It was Grandma Mary, you know? <laughs> I didn't say it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a ton of fun. And there's like part of me too that wishes I had more time for like creating more of that funny content. Now I I probably do a little bit too much in my business instead of like, you know, doing that, that fun content that really got it going. But, you know, that's what happens to a lot of us is we, you know... As it grows, it's like a challenge managing both the marketing and the service side of things, right?
0: Yeah, you're settling in. Yeah, you're like the CEO now, and you got to run this this massive business that's, that's been building. So the course piece, right? Because a lot of people, like they start the service business or the coaching business, and then they're like, I need to like, I'd love to like digitize some of this knowledge, get, you know, either to build proof of concept or to add another revenue stream. What was your goal when you started? Like, was it one of those or something else?
2: Yeah, for sure. It was mostly like, I kind of thought because I had my young kids at home, I thought that was going to be a better path to revenue because, you know, it doesn't, you do the work once. That's the idea, right? <laughs> you do the work once and then it just, you can sell it and scale it at a better range. Cause I had very limited time. I was like working when they were napping or late at night or early in the morning or whatever it was. And so I thought, how can I scale at a better rate? And that was the whole idea. And it it definitely has served me well. I have kind of a business where I do a lot of different things. And I think that's just because I'm a I have the course, I actually run ad campaigns and I do coaching, I do speaking, I've got books. So I've got a lot of different revenue streams. They're not all done really well. I will acknowledge that <laughs> fully, but I think it's also served me well. Like, for example, I didn't lean all the way into speaking so that when COVID hit, my business didn't just plummet to zero. I could scale up another section of my business, which was great, which was the... What I leaned into during COVID was doing more of the done for you services because everyone's like, oh, we got to go, go online now. So that's been, that was a great part of the business as well.
0: Yeah. So you're doing the the one-on-one work, you're doing the service work, You're you've got some courses there to help out here and there to save some time, though they, you know, it's in theory and you're like, well, that's another thing to promote. I got another job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At some point, speaking kind of falls into this play or the book writing. Which came first, the chicken or the egg here?
2: Yeah. So I actually built my business doing small local workshops. So I started speaking first. I really had never thought of a book deal because I actually started a video blog because I didn't like writing. So that's why Grandma Mary did the videos. And I didn't really like writing out all that content. And I also liked the video demo piece of it that was in there too. So I started doing more workshops, local speaking webinars. And then as my blog grew, that was how I was kind of growing the client base too. You know, that would, I would have a free workshop that would lead to you know, paid offer or would lead to a paid, you know, then I'd have paid workshops in there, paid webinars. So that was early on. But then the book deal was the real catalog list to bigger ticket, higher ticket speaking engagements. And having a branded book is really a great thing to have. It immediately had people reaching out to me for that. The book actually does not pay that well. I'll tell people that all the time. People are like, oh, you're reckoning it in with the dummies book. And no, you don't do it for that. You do it for the speaking engagements and the credibility and the um the back end revenue, so to speak, there.
0: Yeah, I think that's super interesting. I don't I hope you don't mind me taking you back in time because I yeah. think no one talks about the the things that like aren't as sexy or interesting, which is like running local workshops. Like, yeah, yeah. Boy, someone getting started, they're like, man, I've got to start a YouTube channel. I've got to write a book, like running local workshops. That's like the third, fourth time I've heard that as like a great way to, to get started. So maybe you could talk about just a little bit more about how that worked for you.
2: Yeah. So I really started kind of ground zero there. I literally passed out flyers to businesses I would have a workshop in my local town. I would find a little co-working space that had a 20 seat, you know, conference room, and I would rent it out, you know, knowing, or I would exchange it for, they could come to my workshop. I also was involved with the chamber and that helped too because they needed my topic as well. I could present to their business owners and then make some offers. As I was making those connections and networking with people, they would help spread the words sometimes about my workshops, also. So it was very much a grassroots like thing. I also created this meetup group. So that was, um, and I don't know how big Meetup is anymore. But I I started a media group and that helped piggyback on some of that organic visibility that I would get. Because initially, I didn't, I mean, initially there were no Facebook ads back in the day, back in my day, um, it was all organic. And so it was very organic. I would go into businesses with these flyers and say, hey, you know, if you've got anyone in your, who needs Facebook marketing, I'm doing a free workshop. You're welcome to come. And so it was guerrilla marketing there. It was like boots on the ground, you know, just, I was out there working it and it worked. I was, you know, getting clients from it. You know, they would offer again, offer that free content. And it was easy too. It wasn't like, Oh, I need all this, you know, logos and I need to invest all this in my website. It was very, uh, very low key, very low budget. All I had to do was rent the space or trade for the space.
0: Yeah. And then half the time they help you promote it. I think that, I think that that's huge in understanding Yeah, to your point, like Facebook groups weren't around, but I think these things come and they're exciting for a moment and then they fizzle, but the, the on the ground shaking hands, getting to know people in your industry or in your geography or other influencers in the space. I think the power of that, especially when you're starting, it can't be over, uh, you know, overstated.
2: Right, right, right. Totally.
0: Thank you for sharing that piece of it with us. And I would like to say, like, when you start to pick up some momentum and you're thinking, okay, like the speaking thing, the book writing thing is becoming, um, you know, more real. How did you approach, you know, getting, you know, writing a book and getting your knowledge out on paper and establish yourself as a speaker?
2: Yeah, it was so you know, the book deal kind of came out of nowhere, not, not nowhere, but it was really a connection. Phyllis Kerr, who was also a co-author on the book, was the one who brought it to me because she had the connection with Wiley. And then Amy Porterfield also got connected in through us. We had met her and she was talking about Facebook marketing as well. So, so the three of us together wrote it. And so it wasn't like, sometimes you're pitching the book to the publisher. Other times. They come to you and and it was kind of that whole like I, they're looking for people who have a big platform already who they know will be able to sell books. So building your platform is really key to getting a book deal. It also is key to selling books. even if you think you're going to self-publish a book, which is which I've also done, then you've got this network to sell it to. So that's really like great as well. So, Either way, you've got to build your community. And then writing the book was a whole masterclass in itself because they are so strict and I learned so much about writing and it made me such a better writer and very succinct speaker as well, because I think about the steps, they were very particular about making sure you went through the steps So clearly, because that's what they're known for. It's for dummies. So you can't skip anything. So that was a really good experience. And also, just the whole idea of the deadlines. They were so strict with the deadlines. There was, I remember one time, Amy was we had this little group and we would kind of commiserate like, oh my God, the deadline's here. And Amy's like, oh my God, you guys, I'm so behind. I can't, I don't have it ready. I just have to ask them for an extension. And the deadline was like noon on Friday. And she's like, "Um, she went to them and they said, sure, you can have an extension. You have until five o'clock. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So, I know. So, so it they were super tight so you had to get your stuff in and you also had to be able to take the feedback. Their editors would come back and your hard work that you sweat over, you like had tears over would come back with a sea of red marks on it just like everything. So you had to get kind of a backbone of steel and really just not take it personally and realize they're there to make the book better.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. And you've mentioned a couple of people that, you know, now are, are pretty big names in the marketing industry, mm-hmm. but I'm curious back in the day, you know, cause like you all could kind of grow up together. Yeah. A, like how did you build some of these relationships and then B, what was the power of networking and the, you know, that relationship building for you? How did you approach it or think about it?
1: Yeah,
2: for sure. So I think that's another great key is just networking with people and not being afraid to approach people and just, you know, reach out. And one of the things that I really liked doing was just commenting and connecting in their own community. First, you don't like come in and just start asking for things like, hey, can I guest post or hey, can blah, blah, blah. Like the people I've really connected with online and the people who have also responded to my connections have all been people that I just wanted to have a relationship with in some way with, you know, no ask for them, just either service or participation And that has been a great way to to build the community. And now when I need something, they're all like, absolutely. Like when I was promoting my self-published book, I had lots of people mailing it out to their lists. And all I, I mean, I just had to ask and I didn't, you know, I wasn't pushy. I was like, hey, I've got this new book. I would love to have you share it in some way. And I, you know, wrote content, wrote like, like sample stuff for them if they wanted to share it. And I had so many people sharing it and it made that self-published book launch really successfully as well.
0: I think that that's huge. The the time you spend early on, you're like, you know, is this going to pay off for me? I think long-term view, you know, you never know Four, five, six, seven years down the road, the people you're meeting and becoming friends with naturally, like you never know who's going to be elevated at what level. And they might be in a position to help you later on just because mm-hmm. you were a good friend and, or even a participant in someone's community who would recognize that because they were building their community to begin with. And they recognize every person that's engaging because not everyone engages. Right. I think that that's huge too. Before we move on to some of the Facebook stuff, because I mean, obviously we're, I don't want to not tap into Andrew knowledge while we're <laughs> or here. Uh, if they want to get, if you guys want to learn some of the stuff that you're about to hear and get to know Andrew, Andre, whether you want to work with her or see hear some of her content or take some of her courses, whatever it is, uh, andreaval.com. The link is in the show notes, but I want to mention it out loud here and, then dive into Facebook. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> I actually want to kind of put your what if cap on because you have lots of ways to teach Facebook, but if you were starting again, because we talked about how powerful it was to get out there in your community, but if you could also run Facebook ads, when would you have started You know, as the, the former you and, and what would you have done to get going?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I think Facebook ads definitely depend on what kind of uh, resources you have available. I tell people, if you've got no money and you've got more time, then you're strategy is more organic right you're going to go out there and start creating content start putting content out there and work on that if you have less time but you have some money to invest then your strategy is build your list with facebook ads it's super fast and super effective and that's actually the way i'm starting one of my new projects which is late starters club my late starters club podcast so I don't have a lot of time to go out and be super organic. I mean, obviously I'm out there creating content for it and and doing some of those things for it, but the way I'm building my email list faster is by using a lead magnet. I'm running Facebook ads constantly on in the background there. I've done a bunch of testing on it and now I'm getting like 71 cents a lead. So, that's awesome. I can, you know, build my list quickly to 3000, whatever, 10,000 people if I want to. And, um, you know, just, just keep it going. So that's, that's how I would start any new business is like, just kind of assess where you got, assess your assets, take a look at what you could create as a lead magnet. I think even if you are doing organic strategy, you're going to want some lead magnet that people can get onto your email list with, because the big key is getting them off some of these social platforms, getting them onto an email list that you own.
0: So, yeah, I think that's great. I'd love to hear, because people are going to be like, how did she do that 71 cent thing? I think some of the details, I mean, not obviously, I don't need to look into your campaign, but some of the details behind, you know, what you were giving away as the lead magnet, uh, how you got people to it, and some of the, the things that you saw working for you.
2: Yes. Yeah, so I um, I have this lead magnet called Top Tools for Late Starters. And it basically kind of goes through some of the things I talk about on my podcast for starting a business. And it's, it's kind of a generic type of list of things, but it's all things I've tested that I love that I think are most important to getting started. And that's a question people have, like there's so many options, where do I start? So it's a pain point that people struggle with. And then what I did was test several different images. I tested several different audiences and I really you know, found the real sweet spot with what audience, what images are working. And that's all I keep running. I'm running it very low level, you know, five, $10 a day typically, and just keeping it it going, watching it, monitoring it. It's about like systematically going through and testing, having a hypothesis on which audiences, you know, obviously my target is always narrowed down to the 40 to 64 age group. And then I'm testing different keywords, testing different lookalike audiences and seeing what works. And then also using some of those images that, you know, a variety of images, and that's how you get it down to that level. And you just keep it running, keep it going as long as it's hitting that mark. And if it starts scaling up, then it's time to refresh the creative or test something new.
0: So when you were come up with lead magnets, I mean, there were a lot of choices, but you, you went with a simple list. Why that? And not something more complicated, like a, a video series or yeah, something else. It was,
2: It was something easy. I already had it. People love lists. They love tools lists. That's the thing that's always gotten uh, good costs, a video series or a webinar. While it can be more powerful to convert into like actual coaching or a program or a course or something like that, that opt-in cost is often higher because it's going to require a little bit more of an investment from someone where they're going to have to sit down and watch the video series or make the time for the webinar or whatever it is. But that's a more effective strategy for like a course launch, for example. You're looking for cheaper leads to grow your list uh, larger, usually like a quick downloadable checklist ebook guide, you know, some, some sort of quick thing that people are going to take and be able to take immediate action on.
0: I love that. And I have, have my mind is going so many different directions with questions I want to ask about this because it's simple, but it's not. Mm -hmm. When you were, you mentioned testing different things. Are you, when you're getting this started, were you starting with one creative and then trying something different the next week, or are you starting with multiple? Can you talk about the creatives and target audiences? Like how often sure. are you changing these out and how many are you trying at the same time?
2: Yeah. So again, that sort of depends on your budget. You can go, you can, you know, go concurrent. You've got to have a little bigger daily budget for that, or you can go consecutive and then just kind of iterate as you go. You know, it just depends on how fast and how much money you have, you know, how fast you want to go, how much money you have. So Initially I was doing concurrent because I want to grow my podcast really quickly. So I just had a bunch of different audiences. I had a budget in mind. I wanted to stick with each day. And then I broke that down to say, okay, we can't test too many things or we're not, we're not going to get significant results. So I said, okay, with that, I'm going to spend, you know, five or $10 a day on each of those audiences. And then on the images I had, four different images I was testing. One quickly became a winner. So, you know, I was still kind of trying out a few different things with that, but mostly it was the audiences and then kind of uh, honing in on that one image. That's not always how it goes. Sometimes you want a little bit more. Um, again, it just depends on like how budget, how much budget you have, but you want a little bit more creative so that you're not burning the audience out with that one you know, with that one ad.
0: Yeah. And I think we all know in theory, but I love seeing what someone really does who understands it, because what you're going to do is boil down to like what the most simple like idea is to get you a result. Even if it's not like you, maybe there's a result you could have had that was 20% better than what you're doing right now. Right. But to get there, like you would have had to try more things, you know, so like seeing behind the scenes, I appreciate that.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, when I did my social media marketing world talk, you know, that you saw, we were, I was kind of talking about top of funnel, mid funnel, you know, bottom of funnel. And, you know, when we're starting out, we don't always have that nuanced approach. It's not, it's more like, okay, let's just, let's just get leads in. Let's just get, get things rolling, you know, up at the top or whatever. And then, you know, maybe later we're going to do a little bit more nuanced type of approach, but yeah, it's, it's just, when you're just starting out, I think just keep it as simple as possible because it can get overwhelming With you're like, oh my God, now I've got to create, you know, 20 different images and two different videos and, you know, have this huge test plan. And that's not, it's not how it always is in practical times here. When yeah. You're <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. No, I, I think that that's hugely valuable. And I think simple list building, when Facebook is intimidating, just if you break it down to something simple, it's less intimidating. You're like, you know what? I'm yeah. just gonna run I wanna build an email one goal, build us start building an email list with a simple offer uh that I can try to against different audiences. I think that's brilliant and and helpful. So yeah, thank you for that. And then the when you get an email, what are your sequences looking like to bring, you know, to introduce people to you for the kind of thing you're building?
2: Yeah, they're not as good as they could be. I'll say that. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> no, people right now with my podcast, for example, it is it pretty much just drops people into like a welcome like and I'll, I was actually just talking with a team member about this recently that maybe we need to have a little more like, hey, here's some of my favorites to get you started, you know, because uh, then I end up just sort of dropping them into my daily or my weekly newsletter that I send out about the new episode that week, and maybe a few other things that I'm talking about uh, in that newsletter or whatever. With my Andrew Vall brand, I have some sequences based on the, I have like a uh, 50 inspiring ads that convert Ebook that I um, is one of my main best converters. Actually, best ebooks that I offer because it gives people fifty different different examples in all different industries. And with that sequence, I have a little bit more built out. I'm trying to get people engaged. I ask people some questions during that sequence just to try and get them to reply to me, so that I can build a little bit more engagement in that. Early phase when they just have opted in, I'm giving them some more resources and follow up. I think I have like four or five, a four or five email sequence, and then they get dropped into my my regular newsletter.
0: Yeah, I I think that makes it like the uh, the cobbler's shoes, right? Like when we start doing it for ourselves, like we're not going to follow the exact steps that we know is perfect. Yeah, yeah, but you know we're working on it. If you hired your own Facebook ads person, they would they would tell you to do it. I know I know I know totally <laughs> I'd love to hear a little bit more about so I think we've gone through a lot of the the pieces um but if you have just some nuggets about like your macro level like this is how I think about Facebook uh and how I use it for someone who's building a personal brand just some some starting strategies I'm happy like I'd love to share those out to to get people moving
2: Yeah so are you talking about like more organic kind of things
0: Yeah, like like
2: ads, like like ads. Okay, ads. Yeah. So, I mean, with ads, so like even so, with some of my clients that I work with, sometimes what we're doing is a combination of branding and lead generation. Sometimes there's like we're going straight for the sale, but like so, for example, I have some realtor clients where we're really trying to brand them as the go-to source for realtor services in their in this area or that whatever area they're in. And so we're highlighting their reviews. We're highlighting any awards that they're winning. We're talking about their philosophy. Um, I do that with another service business, um, some service businesses that I've run ads for, like heating and plumbing and carpet cleaning and stuff like that. What we're doing is really kind of talking about the social proof that they already have that maybe people haven't seen yet. It's just kind of popping up. So it's a combination of brand building, but then we're not even spending that much money on the brand building campaigns. The bulk of the money is spent on the lead generation campaigns and trying to get people to call now or opt into their freebie. Like uh, one of the realtors I work with has this, uh, I think it's like 20 steps to or 20 tips for moving out of state, for example. So who's going to opt into some, something like that? Someone who is thinking about moving soon. You know, they're they're like, oh, we're going to be moving out of state. I should download that. And meanwhile, she can then follow up with them and say, hey, do you have a realtor for, you know, your move? So offering value through some of that. So yeah, it's just, I think, a a combination of that really great, or a combination of really, you know, brand building and lead generation. And then also just watching those numbers to see where they're coming in at. Are we getting good click through rate? Are we getting good cost per click is the lead cost where we need it to be in order to be profitable. And with a realtor, that works really well with another with like another service-based business. We might have a a tighter range to uh, keep that lead cost in. Yeah. And I like that. And,
0: I was curious because I think from a future standpoint, you know, for the people who've now gotten some momentum, they've gotten their feet wet and they're moving forward. I think you've got a great model that explains how to think about a more robust, like fully dynamic ad campaign that thinks about, you know, cold, warm and hot traffic and retargeting and all that. How do you think about that framework when you're helping people understand how to put some of that together?
2: Yeah. So it's a little bit about like, let's divide up your budget. Let's see what we've got to work with. And where are we going to get the biggest bang for our buck, right? If you've got a really small budget, then we're going to really focus on the ads that are most effective. And maybe that's like retargeting. Maybe it's like, hey, let's just try and connect with the people or little warmer leads for us so that we can get in front of those people. Or, You know, I'm new. I need I need some visibility, and it's all going to be cold traffic. What type of campaign is going to actually move the leader, the needle for us? And maybe we'd only focus on lead generation in that case. Where, you know, or I'm just giving out, throwing out some general examples. But it's kind of a very holistic approach on what kind of assets do we have, what kind of budget do we have. You know what is the price point for our product, which will then inform uh, how much we can spend on ads. And I think that's something that people actually don't think about often enough. They think, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna spend three hundred dollars a month, you know. And I'm not I'm not knocking that budget. I know that when I was starting out, that was I had like a hundred dollars a month to spend, you know. It was like very low. But sometimes people who have a high ticket item. Don't really think about the math that says, hey, if, you know, if we, you know, have a certain amount of cost of goods sold or whatever, you know, taking out our expenses, we we actually have a decent amount of budget to be able to spend, thinking that yes, we'll be able to get one sale from our efforts. So, you know, sometimes just kind of reframing your whole marketing budget is a helpful thing to do.
0: Yeah, I think you you kind of opened my eyes to the idea of. There's a difference between top of funnel and middle of funnel from an ads perspective. I think a lot of people just think cold traffic and retargeting. Can you explain how you think about top versus middle of funnel and what the differences are?
2: Yeah, so top could be more of that that brand building type of thing, like more like let's deliver some value way way up at the very very front of the of the funnel. The middle of the funnel, you know, that could be like more a little bit more of the lead generation, like, hey, now we're going to ask you for something. You know, we're going to actually ask you to get into a deeper relationship with us by giving you our email address, for example. Uh, top of funnel could be more like, hey, here's a fun quiz you can take, or something like that. Maybe it's like, or um, here's a here's a blog post about this, and then the blo- you get to the blog post, and if you read through that, then maybe you opt in. So, you know, it's a little bit fuzzy in in some of those. Uh, respects, but sometimes it is about like, where are people at in the journey to in their customer journey? Like, are they really in need of your product somewhere uh, a little bit sooner? And maybe you're doing more, you know, a little bit more hard sell to whatever you've got, rather than at the very top where it's just like awareness.
0: Yeah, what I liked is that it's not counting on the discovery engine of social media yeah. to introduce you to people, and it's not like what I think. By the time people are comfortable running ads, they're like desperate for the conversion, so they're like, "Let's just run ads that convert to a you know a yeah, video." Yeah, we want to go right letter. for the sale.
2: Yeah, we want to go right for the sale. Yeah,
0: but all that effort you spend on organic posting, which you should do, but like the effort put into that and the time, and even hiring agencies to do that for you and a small amount of reach you might get versus the potential for, you know, going viral, switching to a Facebook ad strategy where you're just for a, a, you know, you set a budget that could be reasonable for you. Like you said, $300 a month or something like that, right? It could be less to just introduce you to more people. You're talking tens of thousands of people that see your stuff instead of hundreds through organic, which, you know, unless you have that special creative, that's going to, make you be the next TikTok sensation. I just, I think it's a more practical approach for especially the 40 year olds and over of us that just are like, I don't know if I, you know, if I'm going to do the dance, that's going to get people's attention.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I actually have a lot of clients who don't post at all on their organically. They really don't. They don't, they're like barely. And I think that's fine. Some people think that ads have to come after your organic strategy or after you've hit a certain number of likes on your Facebook page. No, I've set up pages and run ads like the same day, you know, just no likes, (laughs) you know, but that grows, you know, that that's another way people end up do, you know, liking your page and whatever. So yeah, it is, it can be a really much faster way to getting in front of your ideal target customer.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And as we're kind of wrapping up here today, I think Besides sharing your journey with us, you've you've shared these very specific strategies that I know are going to help our audience. So I I definitely appreciate that. But I'd love to ask, what are you excited about in this next journey, this next phase of your personal brand, your business and beyond?
2: Yeah, I've been loving. I mean, I love Facebook ads, but I've also been loving bringing a couple of other pieces of my personality into my business. I uh, started this Late Starters Club podcast, which I absolutely love. It's been so fun talking about how people have started something new in their 40s, 50s, and beyond. I've interviewed people like who um, have climbed El Capitan at age 70, woman who is competing in the Olympics in her 70s. It's amazing. So, cool inspiring stuff there i also been really loving doing my comedy and i'm going to be launching more comedy out there i uh, got some special social sites that are coming just for my comedy so it can uh, have its own brand there as well and and not be like, wait, she's talking about Facebook ads. I just saw her making a joke about her mom. You know, <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> but I think that's the power of personal branding, and I think it's a good example to not be afraid of like, oh, I've built this niche that you know I just never going to be able to branch out of. Yeah, well, no, like they can work together. Now you're going to meet a bunch of amazing people that love the the late starters, you know, mentality and mindset and lifestyle. Yeah, but they also might you know, be interested in Facebook ads or not. Sure. But it, I think it's great that you as Andreaval.com, the personal brand, you get to live your life the way you want to live it and and share that. And people I think will like you even more for it. Cause how many of us are just jealous that, that you had the, the the bravery and skills to do do comedy, right? To get up. It's, just, <laughs> it's like every speaker wants to be comedian, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I, th- I think those, I think it's a good example to, that of how you've, you've busted through a lot of, I think, fears that that all, us have. And it's a good example of, of what how things could be. So I appreciate you sharing yeah. that story with us.
2: Awesome. Thanks, Brandon.
0: And to our listeners, thanks again for sharing your time with us. Andrea, thanks for your time today. Appreciate you. And uh, keep on tuning in and share with us your thoughts. If you guys loved your episode, make sure to check out andreavall.com. You can also find her on social media and uh, share your love there. Thanks, everyone, and we will catch you next time.
1: You've just taken your marketing knowledge to another level with this episode of Brands on Brands, but we have plenty more ways to help you build a brand that matters. Head over to brandsonbrands.com for resources, as well as access to our blogs, videos, and exclusive coaching sessions with your host. Be sure to visit brandsonbrands.com.